You're listening to the Tablecast. Pull up a chair and join the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tablecast. My name is Preston Cox and I am so glad that you decided to join us today. I'm flying solo this morning as I record this. Uh, I'm going to be presenting a message to you that I shared with our community that introduces our next question. Now, last month we started off uh, with our first gathering, having uh, our friend Ryan share with us some thoughts about this question, what does love require of me? And I think that each of us have been disrupted by this question as it's challenging to think about uh, the ways in which we respond to those around us in a way that best reflects Christ. And so this month, we're asking a new question that I think dovetails really nicely with the previous one. And our question this month is this, how can I practice radical hospitality in my life? You know, hospitality is not a virtue that we have often discussed in church circles. I mean, we've, we read about it in Hebrews 13, uh, which is a verse that tells us to treat strangers with kindness because we might be entertaining angels. But no one's really ever unpacked that sentiment in churches that I've attended. <laughs> uh, at best, I learned this. Be nice to people because they might be angels, and then those angels are going to go back and tell God how you treated them, and if you did it poorly, you ignore God, and God's going to send you to hell. <laughs> uh, maybe not that extreme, but I-, I think that in a number of respects, some of that could be true, but is that all hospitality is? Is practicing hospitality just one thing I can do to get brownie points with God? I think that scripture and early Christianity shows us that hospitality is meant to be a radical shift in our perspective towards others. In fact, that is the very core of the word hospitality. In the original language, you would literally translate this word as love for others. The, the word is xenophilia, uh, which is love, uh, other love. Uh, we know the negative version of this, xenophobia. We hear a lot about this in our current day and age, and that's fear of others. You know, in, in the current state of the world, we're told that we are supposed to despise others. If you look or think or act differently than me, we can't be associated with one another. We build walls and we establish rules and we separate ourselves from one another. And I think the church has been deeply hurt by those dividers. We've even perpetuated many of those dividers as well. And so I want us to think seriously about the practice of radical hospitality. And I believe that our community believes that the radical hospitality that we practice will begin to break down those walls between us one brick at a time. And so for this podcast, I want to share with you a story that often gets overlooked because it's in the context of a much larger story that overshadows it. So uh, if you want to, you can follow along. Uh, if you're driving, don't turn on your Bible quite yet. Do this later. <laughs> but we're going to be in Genesis 18. And we're going to see if there is something we can learn from this ancient, ancient text about how we might start practicing radical hospitality in our lives. And so here it is, Genesis 18, verses 1 through 8. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. 
When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some fresh food and refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you've said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran off out to the herd to choose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men as they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. The reason that this story gets overpassed uh, most of the time is because it seems that follow are ones that uh, where Sarah laughs at the idea of having a child at such an old age to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham back in Genesis 12. And then there's this discourse with God that Abraham has about Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of those cities. So this little section of scripture often gets passed by. Uh, But there is so much to teach us about hospitality in these eight verses. So what I want to do is propose a couple of key principles about practicing hospitality just in these first few verses. So first of all, I think that hospitality is primarily for the stranger or the other. In this text, the curtain is pulled back for us as the reader right at the beginning. The writer tells us clearly that it was the Lord that appeared to Abraham. But if we're paying attention, we notice that Abraham doesn't have any clue that this is going on. All he knows is that three strangers have showed up to his tent. In our day and age, we typically want to be around people that we know and that we love. We teach our kids the basic rules of stranger danger, and we make use of our peepholes so that we don't have to interact with those that we don't want to. And side note here, I just installed a peephole at my house uh, because I was so afraid that people were going to see me peeking through the little side window. Uh, there, There were times that I didn't want to answer the door, and I'm afraid that they would see me, so I installed this peephole. We only want to interact with people when we want to, and we tend to only want to interact with people who we know. But this was not the culture of the ancient world. Abraham is exemplifying the common practice of opening up our doors to strangers. And as you can imagine, that had the potential to be a very dangerous practice. If you were a host, there were often questions of motives for the stranger. Are they from a rival tribe? Are they here to kill me or hurt my family? Are they going to take me hostage? Or if you're the wandering stranger, you might be thinking, what is this person going to do to me when I enter their house? Are they going to let me continue on my journey if, if I stay here for the night? So there's lots of danger that surrounded this practice of radical hospitality. But our ancestors still opened up their lives to these people. It was a common belief that by caring for the needs of one's enemy, you might turn them into a friend. And I really don't like that principle. Uh, 
I'm going to be really honest with you. If uh, you're a fundamentalist Republican who practices open carry, you graduated from the University of Texas, you watch Fox News, and you have a God bless Dixie bumper sticker on your overhyped Ford pickup truck, it's going to be really hard for me to invite you into my home and have dinner with me and Sarah. But over and over and over in Scripture, especially in the accounts of Jesus, we see this principle played out. Jesus shows us that the table is literally open for all people, whether you agree with them or not, whether or not they are your friend or your enemy. Which brings us to our second observation. Radical hospitality is not about my comfort, but others' comfort. Radical hospitality is probably going to require that I get uncomfortable. I mean, just look at Genesis 18, verse 1 again. When does it say that Abraham was waiting at the door of his tent? The hottest part of the day, right? Now, this would have been the time that most people would have normally been resting and preparing for work later when the temperatures actually cooled down. But Abraham is waiting and anticipating strangers because it's hot for them as well. And he expects that someone is going to come needing respite and he is going to provide it for them. There's a cool little commentary on a website about hospitality called MyJewishLearning.com and it says this, Creating a welcoming environment is about attention to details, with the most important detail being how comfortable does my guest feel. Now, in the church world, we often spend time talking about being welcoming. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've seen a difference between being welcoming and being hospitable. I think that both of these things are good. I think that they're good adjectives that describe our lives. But I think that being welcoming is only a first step. It doesn't require much more out of me than to just be nice and cordial with people. But being hospitable, on the other hand, requires that I put the other person's needs before my own. It means that I sacrifice my time and my attention and my things to make sure that you feel at home and that you feel safe. Now, in our little community that we're forming, things are probably going to get messy. We talk about opening our table up to anyone and everyone who wants to have a seat, and that's going to take some time and practice to navigate. As a culture, we're not used to deferring our needs for the needs of others. We, we only want what we want and not what other people want. So each of us is going to have to endure some discomfort so that we can show others that they are not just guests, but that they are friends and that they have a place at our table too. And this is important. My Jewish learning continues in saying this. It says, if people don't feel comfortable inside your community, then they won't be there long enough to enjoy the riches it has to offer. Our work as a community should be to show people love and respect and grace that they deserve so that they feel like they have a place at the table to sit with us. Our little community has so much love to share, but it may require that some of us give up things to include others. It may include bringing some of those who are quote-unquote enemies to our table and letting them have a voice and letting them have a seat at our tables. You know, we could probably talk about so many other things, but let's just do one more. So just to recap here, I think that hospitality is primarily for the stranger or the other in that hospitality is going to require some discomfort in our lives. And here's the third thing. Hospitality is going to require presence, not 
absence. Notice in this scripture that Abraham simply sat down at the front of his tent. That's all we know. <laughs> Many of us uh, have run around in circles that have heard about love where you live and the art of neighboring. And, and if you're not familiar with the Austin area, love where you live was this principle that we took from this book, Art of Neighboring, where uh, we said as a city, we were going to love our actual next door neighbors. And so several years ago, Sarah and I were introduced to this book, and we just became so enamored with the principle to get to know our actual next-door neighbors. However, we realized that to do that, we were going to have to slow our lives down significantly and make ourselves more visible in our neighborhood. So here's what we did. We tried to spend more time out front. We started working in the yard or in the garage. We try to be really intentional about the needs of our neighbors, and we try to make ourselves available. And now, here we are, nearly five years later into our time uh, in this house, and we're finally making meaningful relationships with those around us. And I just wanted to offer that as a word of encouragement to you, because this is going to take some time. Sometimes being present takes longer uh, to foster relationships. When we did the Art of Neighboring here in Austin and in Georgetown, there were some city leaders who felt a little deflated because it didn't produce the results that they were seeking immediately. But sometimes showing hospitality is simply about just making ourselves available to other people. It's not a program or an initiative. It's just simply about being there. And that takes time. Here in Austin, there is a woman named Kristen Schell who popularized this idea of a turquoise table. And she wrote this book about uh, how to be hospitable to your neighbors. Uh, basically what she did, if you'd ever heard of it, was she received this table for a party that she was putting on um, and decided to paint it bright turquoise and put it out in her front yard. And all of a sudden, her friends and neighbors started showing up just because she had made her presence out in the front yard um, and it's just a really neat story, and I would encourage you to check it out. Her story's on YouTube, and, and you can buy the book or get it at your library. But in this book, she had an encouragement from Francis Schaeffer for those who are wanting to try out being radically hospitable. Here's what it says. Don't start with a big program. Start personally and start in your home. I dare you, I dare you in the name of Jesus Christ, begin by opening up your home for community. All you have to do is open your home and begin. So let's take this story to heart this week. Let's think about how we can be in the presence of the other this week. Um, it's going to look different for all of us, I think, which is why we want to ask questions rather than give you answers. And so Really mull over this question, how can I practice radical hospitality in my life? What does it look like for me to actually do this? We're going to have some more conversations as the month goes on, and I hope that you'll come back to the podcast to hear those. But thank you so much for joining us in with this conversation. We'll see you next time.